honestly, I don't. And I don't want it to become uh, just where I'm trying to impress you. Like, man, how long can this man stay in this, these few verses? That's not my motive. My thing is, is, is like it is so uh, life-giving to me. It is so precious to me that I want you to take a, you know, take a journey with me. Amen? Can you all take that journey with me? And let, let the life of God come to you through these verses, okay? So, Lord, we ask that we will hear this as if we have never heard it before. You'll dig it down, uh, you know, deep roots in our hearts, Father God, and put a foundation there that cannot be shaken and build from here, oh, Lord, everything you want us to do in life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Because, you know, we're going to get to things in the book of John, like John 15, bearing good fruit. And bearing good fruit has to do with the, the works that you do in life and, and that people should be able to come to the branches of your life, Jesus being the vine and you being a branch. People should be able to come to the branches of your life and get good fruit, but you got to have good roots, right? How many know that? If the root is bad, then the fruit is bad. And that's why a lot of times we, we are, as Christians, we are addressing the fruit of a sinful culture. And that's good that we address all of the external things that they do that are wild and crazy and sinful. But really, the biggest problem with the world is not their fruit, it's their root. It's because they have turned their back on God, and as sinners, we can relate to it. How many have been a sinner before? Because you had sinful uh, things in your heart, that's why it came out in traffic the way it did with cursing and anger. That's why it came out as cheating on your wife or having an adulterous affair. That's why it came out as drug abuse and addiction because things were not right in the root and therefore you cannot produce good fruit. And so when we're looking at John chapter 1 verse 1, we're talking about the foundation, the roots of everything that we're going to do. So by the time we get to John uh, 3.16 and some of these famous passages, you should, you and I should understand the great depth of what's happening because we've understood the foundation. If you're in verse 1, somebody say, I'm there. Amen. Thank you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just in case you're new and you want to know who the Word is, look at verse 14. It says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who? The Son. Everybody say the Son. Thank you. And what is his name? Jesus. So the Word became Jesus. Now, this is something you have to understand. Jesus is the Son in the flesh. We'll talk about that, but that's so you don't get confused. But the Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, go back up with me, please, to verse 5. And this is where I wanted to hit on this again. Verse 5, notice that it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When we look at what the light of God has done in our lives and all the battles that we face, it is a testimony that that little light is still shining. Amen? How many have been through some hard times, but your light is still shining? How many this past year and a half went through some hard times, but the light of God is still shining? How many know people try to snuff it out, but it's still shining? This little light of mine, woo, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, come on, we're going to let it shine. We're going to let it shine in the face of the mayor. Hey, you see this light, mayor? I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to blast it on you a little bit, too. little spotlight, come on. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let the whole world see this light. And what we have to understand, is that light is a gift from God. And it's a gift that starts, everybody get this, the gift of God's life starts with everyone being made in the image of God. And this is where there's a little bit of confusion oftentimes, and I want to stay here just for a little bit to make some clarifications. When we talk about all of us being God's children, what sense is that true? That is true only in the sense of God's creation. Let me show you that in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 17 when Paul is on Mars Hill. How many remember that message? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Now, he's going to quote for us a pagan prophet. And go ahead and scroll down where you're going to see he's going to be there on Mars Hill as you get there uh, before me. Acts chapter 17. And he's going to quote one of their poets, and he's going to say that very thing, that we're all God's offspring, that we are God's uh, children in that sense. But I want you to see what he means by that. Go to verse 28. 
Acts chapter 17, Paul speaking to pagans, and he says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own prophets, or rather own poets, have said, we are his offspring. Everybody say, we are his offspring. Now, if you wanted to be technical about that Greek term, that can mean children. And then just read the next verse there. Uh, Verse 29 says, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine, uh, the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image made by human design and skill. And he's rebuking them there for having idolatry. Somebody say God's offspring. Okay, now hold your place there and now go to John chapter 6 where he calls some folks, Jesus speaking now, calls some folks children of the devil. Have you ever called somebody a child of the devil? You a devil's child. Have you ever used that language before? You are a child of the devil. Have you ever been so angry at somebody or you just meant it because it was true? You know, you weren't mad, but you just had to say, you're, you're a child of the devil. That's why you don't understand what I'm doing. You're a devil's child. Um, We should only use that in an appropriate sense, otherwise we're just being insulting. But it is true that people are children of the devil. So we're going to tie this together in just a moment where it says everybody is God's offspring, and yet there are children of the devil. Uh, It's rather, I believe it's John chapter 8. I'm sorry, it's not John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 8. He's rebuking the Jews who are not listening to him. And in verse 44, he says, you belong to your father. Somebody say, your daddy. The devil. (laughs) You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Somebody said, that's my baby daddy. No, no, that's just talking about the devil right here. (laughs) Not talking about your baby daddy right here. He a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. Come on. Uh, When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So hold on, hold on. The book of Acts, Paul is preaching to pagans who are idolaters. No doubt that they're not right with God. There's no doubt these folks are going to hell. They're not right. And yet he says to them, one of your own poets said that you're God's offspring, and I agree with that. We're all God's offspring. In other words, we're all God's children. That's what Paul says. Now, Jesus preaching to Jews who are not idolaters. Think about this. They are worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, they've got some mistakes, but remember, whatever mistakes those pagans have, they, they would have less of because they are not doing idolatry, which would be like the worst thing to God. And yet he is saying to them, you're children of the devil. So is it an either or? No, it's a both No matter who you are in this world, you are God's offspring. And in that sense, you are God's child. In that sense. Somebody say in that sense. In the humanity sense, in in that sense, we have all come from Adam and Eve, and God created Adam and Eve. He is the eternal creator of us, and in that sense, he is our father. But in the religious sense, somebody say spiritual In the spiritual sense, we are not all God's children. So Jesus has to make you a child of God by being born again. And let's go to John chapter 3, and you'll see what I'm saying here. Because obviously those pagans had not been born again. And now when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a good Jew, somebody say a good Jew. Oftentimes, we are, ourselves can be anti-Semitic in this way, that when we look at the Bible, we make the Jews always to be the, the problem. They're the sinister ones, and we shouldn't do that. Not every Jew in the New Testament is out to kill Jesus. As a matter of fact, all of his followers are Jews. You know, those are Jewish people, and the ones who write the New Testament are Jewish people. So we shouldn't look at, like, the Jew as the bad person in the story. We should look at it as there are some good Jews in the story, and there are some bad Jews in the story. But Judaism is not in and of itself bad. So here is a good Jew. Here is a righteous Jew. Here is someone that's doing all that he knows to please God. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus speaking to him, he says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? born again. And then now he clarifies. He says in verse 5, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to what? 
to spirit. So now tying this all together, what Paul is saying to the people of Acts is, yes, you are all God's offspring. There are not multiple races. There is just one race, the human race, and we are all the creation of God. We have not come from the zoo through the, you know, we have not come from the goo through the zoo to you. He is explaining a model of creation. We have not been seeded by aliens. We have been created in the image of God, all of us. Somebody say, one race, the human race. Amen. Power to the people, right? We want to see all people come up because there is one people group, the human race, the race of God made in the image of God. And yet, it doesn't matter how good you are in a religious sense. If you have not been born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And therefore, your spiritual father is still the devil. So don't think it's a either or, it's a both and. Now going back to our passage in John, I want everybody to see this. In John chapter 1, going back to what we've already read in verse 4, in him talking about Jesus, the word who came into flesh, becoming Jesus. Because before he took on the name Jesus, he was known as the word or the son. That's who he was for all of eternity. When he came in the flesh, he doesn't start existing. He's already existed. He's actually our creator according to this. He was with God in the beginning. He's been with the Father as long as the Father has been around, okay? And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now notice, in him, in the Word, in the Son was life, and that was the light of all mankind. Now let's review. I know we've been there, but go to Genesis 1.26, please, and see that it's, according to John, it was the Son of God who breathed into us. The Son breathed into us and made us living beings. Notice this right here. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in, a, in our own likeness. Notice the plurality there. Who do we believe is there as the us? The Father, the Son, and who else? The Holy Spirit. There is the us. Now, sometimes people like to say, oh, that's the angels. No, no, no. The angels didn't create anything. Show me anywhere in the Bible where the angels create. The angels do not create. They do not have power to create. Otherwise, the devil would be creating a whole bunch of things right now, wouldn't he? Come on, let's just be honest. He'd be creating a whole bunch of things, but he can. No angelic being can create. Only God is the creator. Now, we can, in this world, you know, create things out of things already made. That's really procreation. That's taking something that's already made and then making something else. And we do that with our, you know, with our babies, you know, making uh, babies and things like that, and also with our inventions. But God is the only one that out of nothing makes something, okay? So here it says that he makes everything, and he makes mankind in his image. Now, go into uh, the next chapter 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 2 of Genesis, where it then says that he breathes into us and he gives us the breath of life. Genesis chapter 2, and I always forget where this one is at. Somebody shout it out once you see it. 7, thank you. Verse 7, and I have it highlighted. Look, I have it highlighted right there. Man, what is wrong with me? Help me, Jesus. I get paid to talk for a living and I don't always do it well. So just does everybody feel better about whenever they do public speaking right now? Anybody feel better? Okay. That's what I'm here to do. Okay, look at verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the what? The breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now hold that spot. I know you're holding a lot of spots. But go back to that one in John where it says, in him was life. John 1, 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So according to John, who is the one breathing in us? Come on, who's the one breathing in us? Jesus. Now he's called the Lord God, but who is he as a person? The Son, or what we would now know as Jesus. So, so is it any coincidence, everybody get this, is it any coincidence that in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking about us being born again? Is it any coincidence? No, because we were born the first time by Jesus. And so now that we've had a transference of fathers, of spiritual fathers, we have, as sinners, we have gone from God being our father to the devil being our father. Is it any coincidence that the same one that gave us life in the beginning is here now with us in John 3 wanting to give us life again, wanting us to switch who our daddy is, go to a different family? And so that's where we have to see is that those two do not contradict. They come together because look at verse 4. In him was life. And so if somebody asks you, well, what kind of life is that? 
Because if it's spiritual life only, then that means everybody's going to heaven because everybody who has life will then have spiritual life. We're all God's children spiritually as well as naturally, and then no one's going to hell. Do you see how that could become a contradiction if you just read it on the surface? Because somebody goes, hey, I got life, and then I got light. I mean, I'm obviously not a monkey, an an animal, or whatever. I'm a human like you, so I must have Jesus on the inside of me. I must have what you have, right? If they interpret it that way, then they miss it. Because it's not just saying that if you have earthly life, now you have spiritual life. And, and it's not just saying that anybody who has life, now that means you are in the life of God born again. No, what it is saying is all life, both kinds of life. The earthly life comes from God and gives you light. But you also have to have spiritual life and you have to be born again. It's both and, not either or. Does everybody get it? Let me say it again for those who didn't say I got it. So those of you who are being quiet, now we're going to repeat it again, okay, class? So if you're like, man, why is he, re- why is he doing this? Because y'all didn't say nothing. There was not enough of I got it, okay? I want to hear more I got it's in the church. So like my dad would say, tell it to me in Polish, and that just means repeat it, okay? So I, I'm going to tell it to you again in Polish. I'm going to repeat this again. When it says in him was life, and that life was the light of how many mankind? All mankind, somebody can now say back to you, well, that means all of us are the same spiritually and naturally. They would like to confuse life. Instead of seeing it in two different kinds of life, physical and spiritual, they would like to just jumble it all together and say it's the one life of spiritual and natural together. And since we all are alive, that means by default that we have spiritual light. God is our Father and we're all going to heaven. Do you see the error with that now? It is not saying that. What it is saying is when you get earthly life, that comes from Jesus. But you still need spiritual life. That's why you'll just take them to John chapter 3 and say, hold on. If according to you, if we're alive, that means we already have spiritual life. We're already God's people. Then why does it say in John chapter 3 to the most religious good Jew at that time, he had to be born again? If he, if he already had it because he was a human, then why does he need to be born again? And this, honestly, it may not sound that impressive right now, what I'm debunking, but this is really the religion of the people. Most people today are not atheists, agnostics, and we do spend time here, you know, answering those objections, but most people are not like that. Most people are not even Roman Catholic, Muslim. Most people are not like that. If you talk to most people, what are they going to say? I'm spiritual. I believe in God. I think there's something out there. I believe we're all God's children. That's really their message. That's really what they believe. They may go to a Catholic church. They may even be going to a church like ours, like an evangelical church. But if you ask them, really, 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 what do you believe? That's most of the time what they're going to say. I've been doing this over 20 years, and that is the most consistent belief of people. We're God's creation. We're all God's children. We all got Christ consciousness. We all got spiritual light on the inside of us. For you, your path may be the church. For me, it may be meditation. And that's what we're going to do until we get to heaven. And we're all going to come back home to him because we're all his children. But that's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible is teaching is that we need to be born again because we've been given life. Because we're alive, we now need to choose Christ. We're not given eternal life just because we were born in an earthly life. Does everybody see how important that is? So when you're talking to somebody that's alive and they're like, hey, I've got the light of God inside of me, you need to correct what they, are, what they mean by that and say, you have the light of your consciousness, but you do not have the life of a spiritual rebirth. You are not an animal, in other words. You have a conscious mind, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means to be conscious, what that means to have Christ's light on the inside of you. But that does not mean that person is born again. When they say, well, because I'm God's child, I'm God's creation, we'll say, yes, you're God's child and God's creation, and that's what you were given at at creation was a conscience. You were given a conscience, but you were not given a spiritual rebirth at being born uh, the first time at creation. You were not given that. We were given a spiritual birth that we once had, we lost, and now we're all born sinners. How many know that's part of the Bible? Amen. Because Adam's sin, now Adam's death passes on down to us. Just like Adam's life passes on down to us, we're all born from Adam and Eve with our conscious mind, but also is the sin, hence the the reason of needing to be born again. Now go to uh, Psalm chapter 36 verse 9. Psalm chapter 36 verse 9 is going to teach us how important this is. 
How many like the Bible? How many like the Bible when it works with itself? And you can see awesome things from the old to the new, and it just ties together. Look at this. Psalm 36, verse 9, the psalmist is speaking. He says, for within you, now we know this would be the word, this would be Jesus, this would be the Son of God, for within you is the fountain of what? The fountain of life. So out of Christ comes the fountain of life. Now look at this. In your light we see light. You all see how that works? See, now I can say this to you and you can get it because you have a a biblical foundation. This is what I believe this means. In the light of the consciousness you give me, I can see the light of spiritual life. In the light of my conscience, I can see that I need your eternal light. Does everybody get that? Because animals aren't born again. Animals don't see the need for a spiritual light. Animals can rape each other, have nothing, you know, feel no, nothing wrong about that. They, they can eat each other, feel nothing wrong about that. When you and I sin in the light of our consciousness, we begin to feel bad about it, don't we? In the light of our conscience, we begin to feel bad, and then we feel conviction. And when somebody preaches to us about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what do we see in our consciousness? What do we see in our mind? We see the light of God's glory, don't we? We see an appeal to something that we don't have. By the little light that we do have, we see something that's a greater light that we don't have. Listen to that verse again. For within you, Son of God, Word of God, in you, Jesus, is the fountain of all life. In your light, the light of our conscious life, we see the light of your spiritual rebirth, the light of your spiritual glory in us and through us, regeneration. Amen? That's the amplified version of it. Come on. I'm amplifying it right now. Can you all hear me in this place? Okay, now going back to the notes, please, because I have a few more verses I want you to see. Go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. This is how important our assignment is on this earth, is that we've been called to be light bearers. Not only bearing the image of God physically, but we're called to bear his image spiritually. Look at it now clearly in Proverbs 20, 27. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. How many humans have a human spirit? All humans have a human spirit. Now you know why Paul is speaking to the pagans the way he does. He doesn't say to them, you're not God's offspring because you're not born again. No, he says you are God's offspring because you have the human spirit, right? In other words, that's what he means. But he then doesn't say, y'all cool because you're humans. You got your your human spirit. You're all good. No, no, no. What does he say? You need more. You need Christ. You need another life. You need more light. Hallelujah. You need to know Jesus Christ. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. We know where that lamp comes from. It comes from Jesus. We now know it. That sheds light on one's inmost being. You get to know your being by your human spirit. Turn on the lamp and look at your being right now. Close your eyes, put your hands like this, and then say this. No, I'm kidding. Logos. There's even Christian meditation. Logos Theos, the Greek words of God and word. Sometimes you listen to the Byzantine monks and it sounds like that's what they're doing. We're going to go as far as the new age as we can and still call ourselves Christians. That's okay, I guess, for a sense, but uh, in a sense, but that's not what this is teaching us here. What it is teaching us is that we know ourselves by the lamp, by the light of the Lord that he's given us through our mind and through our consciousness. This is beautiful because right now, remember, I I, I said to you, I think most people are in this mindset and they're there. Why? Because it is helpful in a lot of ways to know thyself. How many know it's important to know thyself, to discover thyself? Find the king and queen on the inside of you, right? These are all the books right now that are coming out. These are all the memes. Know thyself. Know that thy is made, that thee is made in the image of the divine, you know? Is, is that wrong? No, but where it gets wrong, where it gets off track is where you're taking the journey to know thyself without God guiding thyself, 
Because without God guiding thyself in your inner spiritual journey, you're going to catch a flat, go off the edge. You're going to wreck. You're going to wreck, you know. You're going to mess yourself up. I'm on a spiritual journey. I bet you got a few flats on the way, don't you? I bet you've gone off the edge a few times on your spiritual journey. Because you're not meant to explore your inner being without God. You are meant to take the journey of your human spirit into your most inner being by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you will have no discernment between what is good or evil inside your being. And that's where so much of the confusion comes from. Think about it like this. If I say, I just want to know myself, and I just want to take a deep, long look at myself, and I do that without Christ, what am I going to start to discover as a man? Mm, I like sex. Oh, yeah, I like lots of sex. Somebody's like, man, preacher, I'm not coming back to this church. You're telling on yourself. Hey, man, I'm being honest up here. I don't know who you think you would be without Christ, but I know what I would be. Okay, let's just be real. Let's just be real. And what else am I going to find within myself? Man, I love hating people. Hating people is fun, man. Like, I feel better about myself for a little bit after I hate people. I like cussing out people. Man, I really do. I like being right all the time. I like being right. I'm right. I'm right right now. That's what I found out about myself is I'm right. Hey, man, I just got done meditating. You know what I found out? I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> Guess what? I like sex, too. And hey, you don't like it, I want to beat you up. Let's be honest, you go down that road, that's what you're going to find about yourself. And so then what do people say? Now I'm going to find myself, then deny myself, and pretend I'm a nothing in the, in the world of self, become a drop in the river. While you deny yourself to become another self, you're still following that path of self. It's still all self-centered. I don't care how you say it. It's all about yourself. Because you're leading that journey to deny yourself to become a part of the greater self. Which, by the way, what is the greater self? You see, God is a person. He's not just an energy. He's not a force. And what the world wants us to do is just say, Say, hey, find yourself, do whatever that's good for you as long as you don't hurt anybody, and that's what will make you spiritual. And that's not spiritual according to the Bible. It's not spiritual to take a journey with your human spirit to discover yourself and say, whatever goes, goes. Whatever I like, goes. No. We're supposed to understand that there is light and there is darkness. We're supposed to understand there's good and there's evil. And so oftentimes when I talk to people that are very much spiritual, I always ask them, how do you know the difference between good and bad in your spiritual journey? Ask them, how do you know? And they'll say, oh, whatever feels right. And say, man, for psychopaths, it feels right to eat people. Right? So how do you say to this, well, then, then don't hurt anybody. Yeah, but where did you get that phrase from? Where did you get the meaning of that phrase, don't hurt anybody? Like, what was the person that stood over all persons that told us not to hurt anybody? Because if their God is just a spiritual force, and that spiritual force allows us all to discover ourselves, these laws that we now place over each other are really just figments of our imagination. The only reason why people don't kill, murder, and do those things is because they don't want to go to jail and then not have as much pleasure in life. So it's really pragmatism. People are being moral, not because it's good to be moral, to be good for goodness sake. They're being moral because they get to do more of their sin in their life. Meaning like, how much can I get away with before I get arrested? And if you doubt people are like that, just come back to Mardi Gras whenever they can have Mardi Gras again. I've been to 12 Mardi Gras where they allow people on the streets to get naked. They allow them to get drunk and to do drugs on the streets in public. And you'll see what your dentist is like when there's no more law against those things. I'm telling you, because when I meet people, I've been to 12 of them. I used to live in New Orleans. But when you go to them, you meet people from all over the place. I'm a dentist from Chicago. I'm a pilot from Vermont. You know, you'll see what your pilot from Vermont will do. You get what I'm saying? A couple shots, a couple of this and that. Woo! They're taking off their clothes. Men are shouting at women to take off their clothes. And everybody says it's cool because, you know, that's the law got pushed a little bit further. The law got pushed a little bit further. And you saw what happened in the Roman Empire when the law got pushed a little bit further where you could kill and, and, and enjoy blood sport. Everybody's like, cool, we'll do it. And we call that now abortion, blood sport, or at least, uh, you know, worshiping our uh, idol of selfishness by taking people's lives. It's happened before, it's happening now, child sacrifice and blood sport and those kinds of things for just pleasure. 
Now let's go back to our notes, please. Because it gets good. Everybody go to Luke chapter 11, verse 33. Somebody say, I'm learning. Come on, isn't this exciting? I'm learning with you, man. These are not the same uh, points that I was making last week, are they? I'm not just reading the same verses, asking you to, you know, like I said, say them in Greek and make them a mantra. No, we're, we're going deep into those, into those verses. This idea of the human spirit and the born-again spirit is going to transform the way you look at your life. Because I'm going to show you the differences here in just a moment. And it's Jesus' will for every human spirit to be born again. Let me just say that right now. It's God's will that we all get born again. So that when we take a journey to know ourselves, the Holy Spirit is leading us. How many want the Holy Spirit to lead you on the path of self-discovery? Amen. So looking at Luke 11, verse 33, notice how Jesus says it all right here. I love Jesus. He gives it to us in a, in a summarized form, everything that I've been saying. And obviously what I've been saying has, has come from this. But if you wanted to go to any passage or try to tie it all together, like, hey, man, this is what my pastor talked about a Sunday, here it is. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody say, shine on me, Jesus. Amen. Let's be honest with a lot of my Bible students here. You read that before and saw no connection to what I was saying, right? Because I've read it before and saw no connection to what I was talking about. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a bit confusing. How does your light become darkness? You know, how does the eye affect what's in the body? These kinds of things are a bit mysterious unless you take the journey that we started with in John. That explains to us how all humans, the human race, have a lamp that God has given called the human spirit. Now you can understand. And what he is saying to them is, if your lamp, that human spirit, is made dark by what you lust after in your eyes and what you put before your eyes, your light will actually be darkness. It's not a contradiction. It's actually explaining why humans can live as sinners because we all have the same consciousness we all or rather we all have the same uh, ability to be conscious and and to have the ability to be reflective in a human spirit we all have that but not all of us have light and this is why the bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god because nobody on their own has been able to reignite that spiritual birth from their human spirit your human spirit lamp cannot light your spiritual light All your human spirit does is go towards darkness. And that's why he is saying, you need to have me shine my light on you. And then when my light shines on you, your lamp will be as bright as it can possibly be. And so when Jesus shines on your human spirit, you get born again. All the things he made you for come to life. Can I hear an amen? Amen, somebody. Now, let me just show you the things that make the human spirit sinful and dark. Go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. These are the sins that make the human spirit dark. This is why we must be born again. Because he said in verse 15, John speaking here, he said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does, the will of God lives for how long? lives forever. Oh, can someone get me the black rag from my office, please? Thank you. It's getting a little hot up here. I'm under the light today. Amen. Praise God. I got the Holy Ghost light and these lights, and they make me feel like I'm a McDonald's hamburger getting ready to be served right there under that heat lamp. Praise God. But I just want to share this with you because it's serious. 
Whenever I talk to somebody, oftentimes about sins and things that make their spiritual uh, life dark, and I say you do this by your human spirit, by your human spirit making bad decisions, you are in darkness in your spiritual life, immediately they respond back to me, but I don't murder anybody. But I don't uh, hurt people, thank you very much. I don't steal, you know. All of these things that they begin to say is like pointing out the big things of their life. How many have heard people say that before, like when you preach to them? Man, I didn't murder anybody. I haven't stolen. You know, I'm a good person. And what they're thinking is, is that the light versus darkness is on the things, it's based on the things that our culture calls sins, or in other words, things that are against the law, things that would get you arrested. Now, obviously, child molesting is a sin, and it will get you arrested. Murdering somebody is a sin, and it will get you arrested. But how many know looking at pornography will not send you to jail, but it's still a sin? Does everybody get that? How many know selfishness will not send you to jail? It's not a crime to be selfish. It's not a crime to go to the Chinese buffet when they're doing all-you-can-eat crab legs and then stand up there by the crab leg section, wait for them to drop it like it's hot. Put, I'm just telling a story from the other day, half kid. And then take all the crab legs, put it onto your plate, and just march back and not make eye contact with anybody and sit down. How many know we can't arrest that woman? We can't arrest her for being selfish. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. I want to. I want, woo! Bring the police right here. What's my problem? What's going on? What's, you took all the crab legs, man. We're putting you in jail. That's a sin around here, and it's against the law. But you could be selfish. You could be prideful. How many would like to see some prideful people arrested go to jail? It's against the law. So against the law, no, I'm kidding. All of us go to jail multiple times. Lord, help us. But see, these things, I think, bring it down to where it's at. Because we try to look at darkness, evil, as things that are just against the law. But John is telling us what makes the soul dark. The soul becomes dark when you live after the lust of your flesh. When you want what your flesh wants. You don't want it because it gives glory to God. You don't want it because it helps others. You want it because your flesh wants it. And the next thing, the lust of the eyes, you're looking at things as if you already deserve them. And people who have them that are not as good as you, they don't deserve them. And that lust is justified because you feel that you deserve it. And then the pride of life, if people were just as smart as you, if they just knew as much as you, then they would do what you do. And since they don't, they deserve to be treated the way they do. And if you look at us as humans, in our human spirit, all of that is natural. Isn't it natural to lust in your flesh? Isn't it natural to lust in your eyes? Isn't it natural to be prideful? I mean, let's just all look at it for a moment, parents, from the perspective of raising our children. For children, is it more natural for them to want to eat vegetables and healthy things or for them to lust after ice cream and all of those sweet things? What's, what's natural to their human spirit to want? Come on. How about as you watch a child grow up, is it more natural for them to share what they have with their siblings and their friends when they come over? Or is it more natural for their eyes to want to grab everything and take it all and say, Mine! And then lastly, what's most natural for a child to obey and listen when the child is being told to do something? Or is it to rebel and to do their own thing? I know I was arguing one time uh, about whether or not someone is born a sinner. Some people are saying, well, we're not born sinners. You know, we're born good. And I said, have you ever raised children? And they're like, no. And I'm like, there's the end of the argument. <laughs> you, you raise children, you'll know how we're born. As one man said, vipers and diapers, but I don't know if I'll go that far. But, uh, you know, the, the terrible twos have a reputation for a reason. Don't you touch that cookie. Don't you touch that cookie. Okay, okay. And then the moment you move away, you see their hand looking at you, looking at the cookie. Looking at you, looking at the cookie. And then you turn around. Don't you touch it. Don't you touch it. You know, and then I will go on all day. That's what it's like. You have to train a child not to touch that cookie.
Because it's natural for them to keep touching it. You have to train a child to uh, discipline their flesh while they're having a temper tantrum and say, this is for your good. You're going to stay here. You have to train a child to share and to give of something that their eyes want. No, let your sister play with it. Let your sister pray with it. See, these are the things that make our human soul dark. Going back to the, the message today, go back to John chapter 1, please. Jesus wants to give us spiritual life. Jesus wants to change us from the inside out, and he wants us to do it by using the free will of our human spirit. The human spirit cannot be forced to choose a master. I know at times we look at people under addiction or in addiction, and we say they don't have a choice anymore. I agree to an extent that choices can lead to consequences that people don't necessarily want, and those can become bad habits and so forth, but how many know there was a choice to first of all smoke crack, okay? Like sometimes people will be like, you would, just, you would be just like me. You would be just like me if you smoked crack. And I'm like, there is a key component to what you just said. If I smoked crack, the, there was something in your mind at one point that said, I'm cool with trying crack. You see, now they may not have wanted to be hooked on crack, but at some point it was, let me give some crack a try. Right? Let me, let me shoot up some heroin. Let me get down with this. And I was an addict at one time, too. So I want to be honest with you. I can relate to it. And that could be towards all of our sins. So I agree that there is a point where the will can be dominated by sin. And then the devil takes advantage of a sinful will, and he becomes our master. But notice this as we go to the book of James. Let's go to James chapter 1. That that is not how it starts. You do not go to hell because someone made you or you were addicted to sin. I just can't stop. I'm addicted. You know, I don't know if you've met some people like that, but I've met some people who try to be real smart, you know, like try to figure it out. They're like, I'm just addicted to sin, man. I just can't stop. And I'm like, what you can't do, God can do for you. Well, I just can't. I can't even make that decision. I'm so addicted to not wanting to stop. I'm like, you can make a decision right now to want to stop. Oh, I just can't. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> everything you're saying to me is called the pride of of life. This is ultimately what, it, what, what they are saying is, I won't let God change me. I won't ask for God's help. I won't pray. I won't come to church. See, they are refusing to do what God asked them to do. Because let's be honest up in this church today, because I want there to be some testimonies here. Let's be honest. How many of us started the Christian journey weak, addicted to sin, unable to help ourselves? We started broke, busted, and disgusted. Did anybody come to Christianity already having it figured out and then you just got the star next to your name? No. We all came to Christianity going, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I just know I want to do it. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know it will. I'm just calling on his name. Right? That's how I came to Christianity. I did not come to Christianity going, okay, I figured it out. I got a lot of self-will right now. I got a lot of self-discipline. I'm going to be able to be a Christian. I came to Christ being knocked out by the devil, come on, being down for the count, and Jesus saying, do you want to get up? And I'm like, but I'm not good enough. He said, no, I didn't ask you that. Do you want to get up? And I was like, lift me up, Jesus. That's what it felt like for me coming to Christ. That's what people get wrong about Christianity. Well, I'm not ready yet. Let me get everything right in my life. Do you wash your car before you take it to a car wash? Do you clean your house before the maid comes over? I mean, come on, somebody. You know, we got to be honest with ourselves. This is not about your ability. It's about your choice. The choice to choose Christ gives you his ability. It's his power that comes to you. That's why we have to surrender. Every other way is us trying to do it on our own. Look at James chapter 1, verse 13. Just learning today about in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's how darkness comes. James chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So the person that's saying, well, I'm just addicted to it, I'm just this way, what are they saying? God made me this way. 
And I'm not going to ask God to make me another way. So they, you know, they have it wrong both ways. God didn't make you that way. You made yourself that way, but you can ask to be made another way. Well, I was born this way. You should be born again another way. Amen. How many were born one way, but born again a different way? Praise God for Jesus. Amen. So when people are, are arguing with the Lord, that's basically what they're saying is, oh, when he wants to change me, he will. Like as if they're just, you know, neutral. They just happen to be this way. It's not a, a product of their choice. No, it's, it's their choices that have brought them that way. It's not God's way for them to be in sin or for any of us to be in sin. And so when we're tempted, none of us should say, well, this is what God wants. God wants to tempt me. He, he wants me to sin. This is how he made me. No, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But look at this right here, verse 14. But each person, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. That's why I have given this example many different times. John, would you stand up for me, please? John Morales, going to stand up. Would you turn around for everybody? Let's give it up for John as he turns around. Amen. You may be seated. That does not tempt me. That does not tempt me. He could do that all day. He could do this. That wouldn't tempt me. I have no evil desire towards that. That, that right there, like the, the devil like brought that to me every day for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I wouldn't pay attention. All the demons in hell, everything coming at me, they would all be wasting their time. Because that's not my temptation. That's not my desire. And I, if my wife was here, I would have her stand up because that's my temptation and desire before I got married to her, right? I had to choose to be pure in heart. See, the devil does not bring something to you that you haven't already desired. In this conversation that James is having about temptation, he doesn't even bring up the devil. This is, as a matter of fact, why Christ had to be tempted by the devil himself because Jesus in his flesh, in his human spirit, had no sin. That's why he was born of a virgin. He was going to show us that we could do what Adam and Eve didn't do. He was going to show us that that was actually a possibility. Now we all have to be born again to do it. We can't do it on our own. It's not possible. But he was resetting the code. In other words, Adam and Eve were made perfect, and they lost their perfection because they didn't rely upon God. He was made perfect as a man, and he tied his divinity behind his back. He did not use it only as a man in a human spirit. He defeated all temptation and said, look, it still could have been done, y'all. And then because he did it, he died on the cross for our sins. Now as we accept Christ, we can now live as he lived, free from sin. But notice here, nothing has to do with the devil because every single one of us have a flesh nature, a human spirit that can tempt us and to be our worst enemy. And what we have to do is be born again and now discern the Spirit of God and not listen to the things of the flesh. That's the difference. That's what happens when you're born again is that you're not translated instantly to heaven. You still have this flesh and human ways of understanding things. But you are not to give in to them. You are to live according to God's way of things, doing things. That's why we're all supposed to be godly. And guess what that word godly means? It means godlike. You're not supposed to be fleshly. You're not supposed to be carnal. I'm not supposed to give in to it anymore. I'm supposed to be like God. So no one's supposed to say that they're tempted by God or that it's God's fault or even the devil's fault. Each person, when they're tempted, is to be honest with their evil desires. Why do you think we carry the cross? To count our flesh as dead. So if there's an evil desire that comes back up as a Christian, you're supposed to say, I count that as dead. I'm not giving in to that desire. That's a real desire. We're not denying real desires. I don't want anyone to, to think here, whether you have come from a homosexual background or a pornography background or anger or selfishness, whatever the Bible calls sin, do not hear me say to you today that by your willpower you can deny your temptations and be free from sin. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying you make a choice every time you have a temptation to give it to God and to ask him to deliver you from evil. It's not mind over matter. It's not your willpower, though God will strengthen your willpower, but it's not that alone. It is the choice that you and I make each day when temptation comes our way. Do we want the light of God to continue to shine in all of our actions and all that we do in our marriages, on our jobs, with our family and friends? Do we want that or do we want to turn towards that which brings darkness? So he says, you're not supposed to blame it on God or the devil, but look at your own evil 
evil desires and what is enticing you. And that's where I have to be honest with you. If I'm going to be honest with God, I might as well be honest with you. When I said, if I look at what my flesh wants, how many think that's real? How many think I'm being honest with you? Okay, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. That's what my flesh wants. But I'm not living for my flesh. I'm living for what God wants in my flesh. And God sees beyond the temporary pleasures of temptation. Because let's be honest, how many of us have given into temptation, enjoyed the pleasure for a moment, but had regret at the end? How many, come on, let's just be honest, how many gave into the temptation to cuss somebody out, felt good in the moment, and then later you felt bad because you lost a friend or said things you shouldn't have said? How many of you have done things in sexual perversion and you said, oh, it feels good. I feel good. I feel gratified. I gave into it. But then at the end, you felt bad. And that's because the sinful way of living leads to darkness. You always will want more and you will be less satisfied. You will always want more sin but be less satisfied by it. That is the deception of evil. The person thinking to themselves that they are going to have a good life because they're doing sinful things. They are chasing an elusive pleasure that will end in darkness as they are right now already suffering from that darkness, but they are in delusion. So when people say to us, man, that's harsh for you to say to the, uh, the LGBT uh, person, you know, that, that they have to deny themselves, see that as a sinful desire. No, I am saying that to all people who are tempted in sin. I'm not just saying that there's this group of people over here that's so unfair, they have to deny themselves to fight against that temptation, to, to choose against it, but everybody else over here gets to do what they want. We're all saying no. If you're a Christian, you're saying no to your temptation and desire, aren't you? Why? Because in verse 15, it says, after the desire is conceived. So the desire itself is not necessarily the sin. The temptation itself is not the sin. And that's where if I can encourage you right now, do not be freaked out by all the things that tempt you. Come on, I didn't get enough amens on that. Don't be freaked out by all the things that tempt you. If I put a list of my temptations up here, this place would be empty next week. Because once again, it's my flesh, and it gets tempted just like yours. It gets tempted just like yours. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in another place, Jesus was tempted in all ways like us, but he did not sin. And so we have to understand is that temptation may be natural to our human spirit and to what it's gone through before Christ, but now that we've been born again, what is natural is holiness. What is natural is to discern the things of God and to go after them. Now when I look at my, my human spirit, I can see what God is doing there, and I can discern that good from evil, and I can know my heart because the Bible says if we don't have God to do that, the heart is deceitful, the heart is wicked. I've seen great Christians begin doing wicked things and still feel justified because their heart is deceiving them. How many have ever met a quote-unquote Christian doing some crazy things, but their life was going on normal, they still looked good on the outside, maybe they were still even going to church? Why? Because they were in the deception of it. But you see, when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to that sin, and when you give into it, and when I give into it, that's when it's sin, and that's when it, when it turns full-grown, it brings death. And so going back to our passage in John chapter 1, this is where I want to encourage people today. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness is not just the darkness of the world. It's the darkness of sinful desires and temptation. Come on, somebody, get this today. The light of Christ is shining through all the dark thoughts and temptations you and I have every day. And your dark thoughts and my temptations cannot overcome the light of God. The light of God is greater than all of our temptations. I thank God for that today. Honestly, I know we're giving it up for Jesus, but I don't want to go past that point right now, whether you clap or not, but I'm thankful somebody's getting it today. I'm thankful that the light inside of me, because of Christ, overcomes every dark temptation, every enticement of the flesh, everything that would damn my soul. I'm thankful today that I am an overcomer. You are an overcomer in Christ today. The new nature, it is light in Christ and when you face temptation, you are not supposed to freak out and go, well, I guess if I felt it, I might as well do it. You know what that's like? That's like with us in diets around my house. And I'm sad to say, but we're like that. We're always going to start on Monday. How many of you have started a diet on Monday? But by Wednesday, you already blew it. 
It's close to the weekend, so I might as well eat them hot wings with ranch. I might as well get that milkshake because I already blew it. I already blew it, and I'm starting when? When am I starting? I'm starting Monday, and it's Saturday, so, I mean, come on, man. I'm just going to enjoy myself now. As a pastor, you would be shocked how many Christians talk to me like that. Well, I knew it was wrong, but once I gave into it, I just kept giving into it, and I knew eventually I would say I was sorry and then stop. And then I would start again. That is not Christianity. You could be a Christian and act like that. The Bible says that's spiritual immaturity. That's acting carnal as a spiritual being. You're being ruled by your flesh like a brute beast, the Bible says. The, the, the real God you are serving is the lowercase g God of your belly, the Bible says. And I've been there, and that's why I compare it to that, where temptation becomes almost like a, a gerbil wheel where you're just repeating it over and over and over again. Oh, God, I'm so sorry that I did that. Would you please forgive me? Oh, but it looks good again. I'm going to try it because I know you're going to forgive me. Oh, God, I feel bad. God, would you forgive me? Oh, there it comes. I really like it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it anymore. Oh, Lord. Lord, forgive me. You know, that this, this is not Christianity. Christianity is seeing the light overcome darkness in every one of those situations. Christianity is watching the light of God transform you from glory to glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I don't really pay attention to the watts of, uh, you know, the wattage of the home bulbs that I put in in the house. And so every now and then when I go to Target, you know, because I'm avoiding losing $300, so I don't send my wife, I go, no, let me go. Let me go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go because I will come out with a bulb. That's it. I'm coming out with a bulb. And then, you, you, you know... If you're a typical dude like me, you don't pay attention to any of the watts. You, you take out the, you know, the bad one. You put in the new one. And if you've ever been in that situation that I'm talking about right now, and you see that that thing's not bright, you look around and you try to convince yourself, I can live with this one being a dud, and then this one's bright, bright, bright dud, you know, because we're not paying attention to it. And here's, here's the thing, is that, that we all have the light of Christ, but not all of us are shining the same way. Some of us are shining at 40 watts. Others are at 500 watts. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, because you've got to pay attention to the wattage. You've got to pay attention to your spiritual life, because spiritual life is going from glory to glory to glory. It's shining brighter and brighter and brighter in the things of God. I understand for many of you starting off Christianity, man, you're just glad you got a light. I get it. You're glad you got a light, but it's pretty dim right now. You're still using the world's words. You still have the attitude that you used to have. You still have a lot of the same mindset. And I know you're going to heaven. But listen, you need to let Christ begin to shine more in your life. You need to let the light of Christ overcome that attitude. As Vinny begins to come, please, I want to be honest with you because I could testify in so many areas of my life that if you were to have spoke with me early on in my Christian journey, you would never have guessed I would have been a pastor. You probably would have said something like, Man, I'm glad you're going to heaven and you're off drugs and you stop doing crimes. Like, that's awesome. You're not a criminal anymore. But if I would have said to you, and I want to be a pastor, you'd have been like, you're out your mind. There's no way you're becoming, because that's the way I looked on the outside as a baby Christian. I was a 20-watt bulb, y'all. Are you listening? Man, I was dim. Christ's light and his power, and it's the same electricity. How many know it's the same electricity going to all of these bulbs right now? Christ does not change. Christ is the same in you as he's in me, as he's in everybody here. But it's our expression of that light. For those of us that want to stay in that dim state, you'll make excuses. And you'll make it sound like your attitude was worse than my attitude. That's why you're like that. But no, it wasn't. You're going to act like your temptation to be perverse was worse than my temptation to be perverse. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I was going to tell a story, and the Holy Ghost said, don't tell that story. <laughs> I was about ready to tell us. I was perverse, and I was going to tell a story. The Lord's like, don't you tell it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There are some stories the Lord tells me not to tell. Come on. How many have parts of your testimony you can't tell right here? You just tell to your prayer partner, maybe your accountability, just by yourself. You're going to confess that to somebody. No, you're not, you're not worse than I was. Well, Joe reads his Bible and prays every day, has a wonderful marriage because he wasn't as messed up as I was. No, I was messed up. His light overcame my darkness. I am not saying my darkness is the same as your darkness. 
For some of you, it may be impossible for you to have faith to believe you can be married and have children because you came from an abusive background from your parents abusing you or you saw nothing but divorce. You, know, you, you, know, you might have seen all of that. My sister had three baby daddies. You might have come from a family like my sister was a part of. She had three different men with three different children. And you might be thinking, there's no way I can have a marriage and have children. Yes, you can. Jesus has light. And that light shines in your darkness right now. And that darkness that you have faced in your past cannot overcome Jesus' light. Cannot. You will see the light of Christ transform the way you have a family, the way you have a marriage. I'm talking even now 10 years into Christianity. I want every married person or anyone who ever wants to be married, please listen to me here. 10 years into Christianity, I had trusted leaders, people that I love and respect, speak truth to me. And it was hard hitting. But they spoke truth to me and they said, your attitude of always having to be right will not be conducive in any good marriage. And I remember going back to my prayer class. They didn't say it out of condemnation. They didn't say it to be mean. They were speaking truth. Somebody say, sometimes truth hurts. Come on, sometimes truth hurts. And I got real with God. And I said, Lord, if my attitude will keep me from a wife, then change my attitude. I'm being real with you here. God took darkness out of my thinking and changed me to become gentle. I haven't always been gentle. Sometimes that temptation entices me to be harsh. But Christ changed me so that now I have been married by God's grace 16 years. And some of you might be thinking, it can't happen for you. It can happen for you. Same thing with taking care of children. I never thought I would be a parent. You know, I never thought those things would happen. And God gave me a desire for children. What have you already seen? Let's look at your life. What have you already seen? as a Christian, that God has evaporated with his light. Some of you are free from addictions you never thought you would be free from. Some of you are living the kind of life you never thought you would be happy living, and it's the greatest life. You used to look at church people and go, they're weird, and now you're one of them, and you see how happy it is, how great it is to be weird for Jesus. Amen? So here's our encouragement today. No matter what darkness we're facing in life, no matter how great it feels, no matter what that temptation feels like today, let the light of Christ keep shining. Let him keep raising that wattage of your bulb and watch what he'll do in your life. And by God's grace, we'll all go from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus today as we stand. Amen. Band and altar workers, would you come? We love you, Lord. Can we close in prayer? Just... Everyone here praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask for the light of Christ to shine in all of our hearts today. Jerry did a wonderful job of asking anyone that doesn't know Jesus to pray that prayer, but you can do it even now again to start a relationship, to go from darkness to light, from a sinner to a saint. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart, to shine on the inside, to turn back on that lamp and to make you alive today in the name of Jesus. Right now, anyone who doesn't know Jesus, anyone not living for Jesus, just call on his name today. Ask him to forgive you. Say you believe in him. He died and rose again for you. In a few moments, you'll be more than welcome to come up here and receive prayer. And even now, if you're led to do so, you can. For the rest of us, you're already a Christian, right? You've already had Christ come in your heart. Look at your life right now. Is there any darkness in your thoughts? Any darkness that has been residing there repetitively, ask the Lord right now to set you free. The psalmist taught us to pray, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the path of everlasting life. No, no darkness. I don't believe the Christian life should be partly light and partly dark. I believe we should be wholly sanctified all the time. Don't let people talk you out of that. You can be on fire for Jesus, having all that sin burned up. And whenever it tries to come back in, you say, not, not today, devil. Not today, flesh. A few moments, come on, Christians, but be real. So many times in this church we have people confess things. You can do it now before God or before your prayer workers up here. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but let's search our hearts. And then for the rest of us right now who would say, yeah, I, I feel like I've done this before, Pastor. I'm living holy for Jesus. Would you ask the Lord to let your light shine before others right now that they'll give glory to God? 
Because some people have never seen that kind of light shine before. They've never seen that kind of wattage. Ask that God will bring you around people that all they know is brokenness so they can see healing. Ask God to bring you around people who all they know is perverseness so you can bring purity. Ask God to bring you around people who all they know is pride so they can see humility. A few moments before we dismiss three kinds of people praying, those who want to be saints from being sinners, saints who have been living like sinners and want to be holy, sanctified, and those today, saints who want to be used by God to shine forth. We're going to worship and then dismiss as we start to worship. You can join the others who are already here praying. There's no condemnation or guilt here today, no shame. And if you have any other prayer needed from something else in your heart or life, please come forward. But let us worship before we go today, letting our light shine. Shine in me today, Jesus. miss in a few moments, but come on, let's let God bring up that amplification today, up that wattage in us today, Jesus, as we worship you, set us on fire, going from glory to glory to glory, you are the